Thank you, Rosie. I feel at home. Um, how is everyone doing this evening? Good? Um, so last week we summarized our series that uh, probably took a whole year, the series on the way. And how amazing was Toby and Kate singing scripture. Uh, I was listening to it on the podcast and I was really blessed. And Tim summarized the message really well with a warning from Jesus that we shouldn't be just hearers of the word or readers of information, but actually we should be people who put that information into action. And I thought that was really good because Paul emphasizes that, that message when he says we should be imitators of Jesus Christ, not just scribes who just sit and listen and do nothing about what they hear. And so today we also began another sh probably short series on the coming of Jesus Christ, of his crowning and of his death, and it went all go up to um, Easter. Uh, so I also have a question as we start for you this evening. I have a question for you. Have you ever thought of all the little things that Jesus asks people to give him or to bring to him throughout his ministry? Like a drink of water to quench his thirst. Like a coin to pay taxes. A young child to illustrate who the greatest is in the kingdom of God. Or a towel to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus asked for these things. And it's not that Jesus actually needed to ask for all these things, because we all know these were simple things that Jesus simply just needed them to further his ministry or to teach. He could have certainly got himself a cup of water, because I don't think that's a hard thing to do. He could have got his own money, because I don't think Jesus was a poor man, because he was a cheapy, he was a carpenter. He earned his own money. He could have used his money to illustrate about the, the illustration he used the coin with. Or he could have brought his own towel when he was planning to wash the disciples' feet because he knew it wasn't a spontaneous thing that happened. He knew he was going to wash their feet. These seemed to be like things that didn't have any importance. But for some reason it was very important that the people that he asked for these small things to respond and bring these things to Jesus. He certainly didn't need these things because he could have snapped his finger and a miracle could have happened. A cup of water would have come. A coin would have come. A child would have appeared. And so this, we are going to look at this, uh, one of the small things that Jesus used in, in his ministry. And we'll be reading from the book the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. We'll go through verse 29, and we'll stop from, uh, to verse uh, 38. Chapter 29 says, As Jesus approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, verse 30, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a cold 
tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. 31. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found, found it just as he had told them. 30, 33. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their, their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As they went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When they came to the near place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in the loud voice in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So at this time we note that if the triumphal entry of Jesus in Jerusalem, if this was a play, then it was about to begin. The scene was the, the, the play was ready. The scene was set. The props were in place. The people were ready and Jesus is on the scene. The palm leaves are ready to be lifted up. But yet there is this one thing that Jesus still needs to get this memorial event to get going. Do you know what it was? A donkey. That's interesting. The king of kings, Jesus, needed a donkey to get this going for him to go and start his journey to Calvary. Out of all those things, Jesus says, go, tells it, sends his disciples to go into the town and get the donkey. See, it was a donkey that the father of Jesus used to carry Mary into Beth, uh, Beth, Beth, uh, Bethlehem for Jesus to be born. And it's a donkey that Je we see Jesus in this scripture that he needs to take him into Jerusalem to die. And I want us to look at this story because there's so much that is said and there's so much that is unsaid. And it all begins when Jesus sends his disciples into the, into the town to such and such a place to such and such a group of people and they had something that Jesus needed. A cold. A cold is simply an unridden donkey. And Jesus needed it. He says now, if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it. And see, he did, not, he did not just send them. That was a backup plan that he had given them. Go and get it. And as you get it, if people come to you, so there was a possibility that people might not come. But if they come, he gave them a backup plan. Just tell them, Jesus, the Lord needs it. Let's put this into perspective, 2019 perspective. Imagine you wake up in the morning, stretching right in front of the window of your bedroom. You look outside, your car brand new, parked outside. You see these two guys standing next to your car, and it doesn't look like they're just admiring the model of your car. They are actually trying to break into your brand new car. Maybe it's a blue car. 
And so you wonder, what am I going to do? Should I call the police? And quickly you decide and say, okay, I'll go and talk to them. So you, you, you walk out, you, talk, you, you reach them and tap one of them on the shoulders and you ask them, so what do you think you're doing to my car? And so they quickly put their tools back and they look at you and smile and say, the Lord needs your blue car. What would your response be? How would you react in that moment? Your brand new car, the Lord needs it. And you don't know this group of, uh, the, the two guys, they, they are strangers, you've never met them before. I'll tell you how I would respond as an African. <laughs> I would tell them, I'm heading back in my house. And I'm returning with something. Maybe a piece of, of wood. Or something that I can use. And I'll tell them, when I return and you're not gone, if you've not left my car, you are about to meet your Lord. That's what I would tell them. <laughs> this, this car, this is a 2019 model car, never been ridden. No one has sat in this car. Zero mileage. The value is very high. And yet these guys did not respond like that. It looks like when they had the term, the Lord needs it, they just let it go. Without any question. I would have had some questions definitely to ask before I let my, my donkey go. Probably I would have asked, who is this Lord and how did you meet this, this, this Lord that you're talking about? Maybe I would have asked, when are you planning to return my donkey? Or I would have asked, are you going to pay? For the, for, the, for the time that you're going to take the donkey. And maybe as they are leaving, I would have stopped them and said, maybe let me put this sticker on this donkey. So whenever you take it, people would know it belongs to my farm. Free advertisement. <laughs> That's what I would have done. And don't get me wrong, donkey givers are known for so many things. But asking questions is not one of them. Donkey givers are known for their servanthood, their leadership, their compassion, their faithfulness. But asking questions is not one of those things. And so we look at the attitude that these guys had towards the disciples. They understood the Lord needed they are donkey. And I know it's 2019 and perhaps you're wondering, Fred, why are you making a reference of a donkey? We don't own one. Maybe we see them on the road, but none of us own a donkey. I beg to defer. Because every one of us in this room tonight that has a relationship with Jesus Christ has something to offer. Maybe some of you can sing better than my wife. Yeah, so me and my wife have agreed she can't sing around our kids. <laughs> and she's happy with that because we, at least we want to give them a chance uh, <laughs> to hear some good music. So maybe you can sing. That's something you can give. Some of us can organize. Some of us can program computers. 
Some of us can coach soccer teams. Some of us are good at fixing things. You can fix roofs. You can fix anything that is broken. See, all of us have something, and if we give that thing to the Lord, that thing might help him or will help him perhaps enter another city, enter another soul, or even another house. So the million-dollar question for us tonight is what kind of donkey giver are you? Are you the one that is going to let your donkey go faithfully without any hesitation? Or are you going to let your donkey not leave and perhaps put another fence, put more ropes around the donkey that no one can even look at it? In the parable of talents, we are told that we are all given something. The Bible says that some got ten, some got five, and some got one. Those that got ten added to the ten. Those that got five added to the five. But those that got one did a foolish thing. They went and buried it. A simple recap of that story is that don't get a shovel and bury your gift. God wants to use your gift for his church, for his body. God wants to use your gift for the redemption of mankind. So don't get a shovel and bury your gift. So as we start this week of Easter, or that leads to Easter, I would like to look at some of the common things that donkey givers have regardless of where they live, where they come from, or if they are from this century or from the past ones. And we are going to, look, to do that by looking back to verse 33 and 34. Verse 33 says, As they were untying the colt, the owner of the colt said to them, Why are you untying it? The Lord, verse 34, the Lord needs it. So Luke here tells us that these disciples go on and untie the colt and the owners find them and they tell them the Lord needs it. And that one answer satisfies the owners of this donkey. And that leads us to in our first point, which is simply these donkey owners, they were aware of who Jesus was. That's why it was satisfying. They knew people were expecting the Lord. And so this, I think, didn't get them by surprise when they got the answer, the Lord needs it. That's why they had the courage to let it go. They had an intimate relationship with Jesus. The word Lord, as it was used in, 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 that, in that portion of scripture, is almost equivalent to the word, it's actually equivalent to the word Yahweh. So they knew, they, they had a relationship with Jesus. They knew who he was and they, they let it go. See, the hard reality that we face in our culture today, and perhaps the reason why we don't let our donkeys go easily, is that we serve multiple gods. We have plenty of gods. If you come with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 13, the Bible says, 
in Jeremiah 13, if I can find it quickly. Uh, sorry, Jeremiah 2.13. It says that my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold any water. That's what we've done. That's what we've done. A.W. Tozer, in, in one of his books, The Pursuit of God, when he talks about the beatitude of, of, of possessing nothing, the blessedness of possessing nothing, he, talks, he describes that particular point, why we don't let go of things, as in every heart, broken heart, fallen heart, there's a deep, tough, fibrous root that only seeks to possess nothing but to possess. See, the pronoun, my and mine, they look innocent enough in print, but we all know the significant in those, two, uh, in those pronouns, my and mine. In Genesis, the Bible talks about Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden, naked and unashamed. The last time I was naked, I definitely knew I was naked. I had to put something on. But these guys were two people in the garden, naked but unashamed. Why? Why did they have this ability to be in the garden, naked and unashamed? I think because they had a good relationship with God and all, that, all, all of who they were was centered in who God was telling them they were. Their affirmation, their values, their worth, their identity was all in God. That's why they had the ability to, be, to do that. They didn't have any time to look at each other for, for affirmation. There was a flow of, of the love of God down to them. And that was satisfying. But then we see they did something that we all do. They began to doubt. And as they started doubting, they listened to the devil. Who convinced them to go and eat from the very one fruit tree that God told them not to touch. Immediately after they did that, we see something happened. They stepped out of that love, out of that image. And the very first thing they did, they went and hid and they covered up. They looked for things to cover them up. They started looking at each other for affirmation. Something that sounds familiar to us. So they started having an identity crisis. And they started looking outside the love of God for who they were. They started asking questions like, am I strong enough? Do I drive the best car or the right car? Do I wear the right clothes? Do I have the latest phone? They started asking questions like, am I tall enough? Am I short enough? Or is my skin color white enough or dark enough? Is my hair light enough or is it dark or is it orange? They started asking all these questions that, and they started depending on things, things that were not meant to give them 
value. They started putting their worth in things. And so, the difference with that, the identity that Adam and Eve had, and the, diff and the, 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 the identity that the donkey owners had, is that the donkey owners had the identity that whatever Jesus asks, it is his. They possessed nothing. Even, even as they, they owned the donkeys, they knew that this donkey belongs to Jesus. Some versions use the term, the Lord needs it. They actually use it the other way. The Lord has needs of it, which means everything belongs to him. And so we'll look at the, the second point that all donkey givers in the world have in common. They, they know that the, the number one we looked at is they are aware of who God is. Number two, they are known by God. See, they, 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 they just don't, they, all, they don't only have the knowledge of who God is, but also God knows who they are. If we follow the story clearly, the donkey givers, uh, in verse 30, says, God sent the disciples to a village. So there were specifics. And he told them to go to a certain place. He had a certain group of people who had a certain thing. And this is awesome. Jesus tells his disciples that go to the city and I have my people. The question for us is, does God know you? Does he know who you are? Can that be said about us today as a church? If Jesus was standing outside our city, can he say to his disciples, go to that city, Brisbane, I have a group of people. I know a group of people that have everything belongs to God attitude. Let's bring that closer to home. Can that be said about you? Can Jesus say, I have someone in that school. Can he say, I have someone in that law firm. I have someone in that hospital. Can that be said about you? Can that be said about me? So I want us to pause and let that sink in. Can God trust you? Can he count on you? Do you know God in that intimate way? That everything you have belongs to him. See, the reality is, God does not need you. God does not need me. He didn't need those pe the, the, the people that had the donkey. But yet, he chose to work with them. Why? I think the answer is simple. Because he loves us. And he wants us to partner with him into extending his ministry to people that have not had it. Into cities that are not aware of his presence here on earth. And the scripture is actually quite full, is, a, is, is filled with people that are termed as donkey givers. We know when Jesus was wanted to teach, there's a multitude of people that gathered and they were all eager to listen to the word of God. 
And one of the disciples perhaps went and asked the guy who owned the boat, hey, can Jesus stand on your boat? Because the crowd is too much. There's no way they can listen to him. But if he's elevated on the boat, he'll be able to speak. And there was no hesitation. This guy gave his boat. He's a donkey giver. The following times, the same, another crowd, Jesus is teaching the crowd. They've been listening probably the whole day and they are hungry. They need food. The disciple Philip finds a young teenager with a basket of food, with a little fish and a few loaves of bread. And perhaps he tells the boy, hey, will you be willing to share your basket of food with the Lord? Because he needs to feed the multitude. And this little boy's attitude is, take it. And we all know what happened after that. 10,000 people got a meal out of one fruit bas food basket. The family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus opened their home to Jesus. That was a family of donkey givers. Simon, when Jesus is carrying the cross, one of the soldiers grabs him by force and tells him, carry that cross. No hesitation, he carries the cross. He's a donkey giver. We all have donkey givers around us. This morning I told a story of recently uh, I was in Melbourne and I was on my way to the airport to come back here. So I sit in a taxi and as I usually do, I get my phone and guess where I go? Try and scroll through what's happening. But this guy, he was an Indian guy. He actually wanted to talk. And I realized that quickly, I put down my phone and we started to have a chat. So we talked, he asked me about where I come from, I asked him where he comes from, and apparently he's, he's like, has a master's degree in philosophy, he's just having like a challenge to, to be integrated in the working society here, so that's why he's driving a taxi. And so we, as we kept on talking, he told, he told me something that is really heartbreaking, but at the same time, it shows where we can plug in as donkey givers. He told me, sometimes I drive older people. And that sometimes they pay me more. They say, we'll give you $10, $10 more than what you're charging so that you can drive a little further and we can have a conversation. Because throughout our days, we don't have anyone to talk to us. And so he did that for a couple of times by charging them more so he can talk to them. And then he realized, maybe I would start, I, I, I'm going to start stopping my bill counter. Whenever we reach that destination, I stop it for the next 10 minutes. We'll talk, and then I'll drop them off where they are going. And that's it. That guy became a donkey giver by just giving that extra time to talk to these people. So there's, there's so many ways in which we can actually be donkey givers. So Jesus, we've looked at the second point that Jesus had his people. The question is, as we go into our third point, does Jesus have you as one of those people? The third one is, God gave them something. God gave them something. They had something. See, in every military force of any country, 
if you approached a soldier and instantly asked them their MOS, they will be able to tell you what it is. MOS simply stands for Military Occupation Specialty. Whether they are uh, riflemen, whether they are communicators, communication officers, whether they are cooks, they will easily and quickly tell you. The question is, do you know what your KOS is? Your Kingdom Occupation Specialty. Do you know what it is? What it is that you do for the Kingdom of God? And maybe you might be here and you're like, I actually have no idea. Well, I encourage you to go and actually ask God to tell you what can I do in your kingdom to take your gospel just a little bit further outside this building. Well, the story we've just read definitely will not tell you what your donkey is. The story we've read will tell you what the donkey was in that story. The donkey in that story was anything that God the Father wants to use in your life to carry the gospel to the next group of people. That's simply what the donkey meant in that story. And as I conclude, I want to look at the story of another donkey giver in the modern history. His name is Louise, Abraham Louise Fisher, or commonly known as Bram Fisher. Perhaps you're wondering, who is this guy? Not so many people know that guy, but everyone knows Nelson Mandela. So in South Africa, for those of you who are not aware, there was a time not very far ago where there was racism, where people were divided according to the skin color. So the Indians wouldn't mix with the black people. The black people wouldn't mix with, mix with the colored people. The colored people simply meant you have a black father or a, black, a white mother or vice versa. And then you had the white people on the other side. You needed a passport to cross from one, one place, one city to another. In your own country, you needed a passport. And so we saw people rising up, people like Nelson Mandela. But behind the story of Nelson Mandela, there are other donkey givers. And I want to look at that particular one, Bram Fisher. Bram Fisher was an Afrikaans. He was a white man who came from a heritage of wealth. His grand, great-grandfather was a chief judge of the Orange Free State in South Africa. His father was a judge president in the same state. Bram Fisher went to study in the Oxford University and graduated as a lawyer. And perhaps everything in his line of heritage was pointing him towards being the Prime Minister of South Africa, which meant he was going to push for more racist laws and stuff like that. But that's not what happened. Bram Fisher comes back to South Africa and he chooses to use his law practice degree into defending the rights of mixed races. He joined the struggle to abolish racism in South Africa, something that is contrary to what his family was wishing him to do. He's well known in the Rivonia trial. Rivonia trial is the last trial where 
Nelson Mandela faced the South African law, uh, Court of Law and he was sent on the Ruben Island for um, 27 years. And after they lost that trial, Bram Fisher decided to go underground because he said, I cannot begin to, I cannot stay to practice law when my people are dying in jail. So he joined the underground trial. Maybe to backtrack a bit to see how powerful his family name was. There was a case where he was representing some, a group of Africans that were caught on a train that was meant to carry white people. But then it says when he went to court, the judge dismissed the, the case because he knew who Bram Fisher was. He said, I'll not, they are okay to go because he respected his background. And so after the Rivonia trial, Bram Fisher goes underground. He hides for two years helping black people illegally. And then eventually he was caught, put in life imprisonment, and then he got cancer. The people ran a campaign in the newspaper for his release. He was released and he died a year after that. The South African government then even confiscated his bonds after they were criminated. But his attitude was different from all the other people. He was a donkey giver. He's a modern donkey giver. Something that sounds familiar. Jesus Christ didn't have to come. He didn't have to come. But he gave up everything, everything, and he came on earth as a normal man. He did not have any power, supernatural power, when he lived on the earth. He went through the same pain that all the disciples went through. He went through the same emotions that the disciples went through. To the point that he even asked the father, is there another way that we can do this? But yet he chose to come and die for us. And so as I conclude, I want to say this. See, to be a donkey giver, we all, it only requires to give something that we have. To be a donkey, a, a donkey giver, we don't have to give what we don't have. We have something. We all have something. And God wants to use it. God wants to use your voice. God wants to use your passions. He wants to use your commitments. He wants to use your heart. He wants to use your love. He wants to use your job, your profession. So as we go, remember, the donkey was tied up. But the owners had to let that donkey go. They let the disciples untie it. So think about what you have to do this week. What is that thing that you need to untie? That perhaps it's going to help take Jesus to another person, into another bus or another car or another house. Let us remember this week all those people that gave their donkeys. And let us strive to join the list of these donkey givers in these simple things. Amen. And so, right now, I want us to actually turn our focus on the Holy Communion tables. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, before that, he took a loaf of bread, shared it among his disciples, 
and after he gave thanks, he told them to eat in remembrance of his body. He also took a glass or a jar of wine and told them to drink. And in doing that, he told them to remember him for what he had done. See, the attitude we can come with today at this Lord's table, we have two. We can come with guilt and say, okay, we did this to Jesus. We killed an innocent man. Or we can come with another attitude and say, Jesus did this because he loves us. So if you're here and you think you're not worth coming to the Lord's table because you, you're guilty of what we did to Jesus or what you did to Jesus, maybe put that attitude back and come with the attitude that Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us and he wants us to remember that he loves us. So please come at your own time and get your bread or your biscuit and you can dip it in and go back and eat at your own time. Let us pray. So Father, I want to thank you so much for helping us be together on this day. And thank you for the words that we've heard today from you. I pray even as we share this at, at the holy table, I pray that you take out any guilt sense in our hearts that will come in your love. We will come knowing that you love us and there's nothing that can separate us from that love. Remind us as we start this holy week of what donkeys we need to give, what things do we need to give to the people that need them? What things do we need to give to you to further your kingdom here on earth? Help us to take on the attitude of the donkey owners. Whatever it takes, take it. We possess nothing. Everything belongs to you. And so we pray all this in the name of the Lord, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.